On this episode of Retro Ramblings, we're going to call up my buddy Tiny so he and I can discuss the thrillist rankings of the best fast food cheeseburgers in America. And then we're going to share our thoughts. We've, we've had our share of cheeseburgers, so you'll hear what we think. Then Adam from Wizards, the podcast guide to comics here on TRN, he's going to come sit down and we're going to share a six-pack. Well, questions, that is. And we're going to be diving into some 90s comics talk, which is Adam's wheelhouse and gives me somebody to talk to about it. And then I'll be uh, answering some Hey Mickey questions that come in. But first, the lovely, lovely ladies of sweet California. Do your thing, girls. Welcome to Retro Ramblings, a new podcast here on the Retro Network. If you're listening to this, this is probably not the first time you've heard me, but just in case it is, I'm Mickey. Uh, You usually hear me on the Retro Network podcast, the flagship show of the Retro Network podcast channel. I've been doing a little thinking and talking with Jason, and we're going to try to spin off some new shows, this being one of them, where you just get my thoughts and opinions and probably some rants and ramblings from time to time. But if you listen to the Retro Network podcast, you've heard me talk about it, and I'll give you a fair warning for this show. I'm a one-take kind of guy. You're going to hear me stutter and stammer a little bit on here. I'm not going to cut that out. I do this stuff in one take. I shoot from the hip most of the time. Uh, Some folks like a more polished podcast. Some folks are more concerned with the content of the podcast. I hope you're one of the ones who's concerned with the contents and not necessarily all the professionalism that other shows bring because... Unfortunately, you're not going to get it here. And I also have to apologize. My voice is a little off in some parts of this podcast today. In the middle of recording these various segments, I come down with a little bit of a head cold. And it's actually, as you hear me now, starting to clear up some. So it did sound much worse. But uh, as the show goes on, I will sound better. Um, I hope you enjoy this show. And I hope you will uh, leave me some feedback on what worked for you, what didn't work for you, what you liked and what you didn't like, and we may make some changes going forward. As I mentioned at the top, we're going to be calling up Tiny to talk about the best cheeseburgers, fast food cheeseburgers here in America. The Thrillist put out a list that uh, I thought needed a little tweaking, so he comes with me and we take care of that. But before we get to that, though, I want to talk just a second and ask you, have you heard about Wayback Weekend? Huh? Huh? It's a convention for all of us retro lovers, and it's coming May 16th and 17th to Atlanta, Georgia. So far, the guest includes Samantha Newark, who, you know, was the voice of Jerrica on Jim. And they've got two uh, music groups lined up to come perform. Uh, Diva Maddox, who is a Devo cover band, and this one I'm kind of really excited for, a group called The Superstation, where they'll be performing all your favorite TV and cartoon theme songs. And their logo is really cool. It looks like the old TBS logo. They're also going to be screening some films, uh, one that's got me really pumped up called The Marks. It says it's a fun and silly comedy steeped in the world of 90s professional wrestling, which is really in my wheelhouse. Director Joseph Lavender and cast members are going to be doing a live Q&A session immediately after the screening, so uh, you need to check that out if you go. Also screening will be The Power of Glove. Uh, that's the documentary illustrating the history and legacy of the Nintendo Power Glove. 
uh, the creators Andrew Austin and Adam Ward, they will also be doing a live Q&A session right after that screening. And it's not just music and guests. You know, of course, there'll be vendors there hawking all kinds of cool toys, video games, movies, comic books, everything from the 80s and 90s you could possibly want will probably be there. But they also have some cool events lined up like Console Corner that'll be featuring hands-on play of popular systems from throughout the years. Uh, there's also the Level Up the Game Show. That's the one I'm, I, I wouldn't mind being on that one myself. It'll be filmed in front of a live studio audience too. Uh, then you've got the artifact section featuring hands-on play of stuff like Rock'em Sock'em Robots and Light Bright and more. And I tell you, if you see me there, I challenge anybody to a game of Rock'em Sock'em Robots because uh, I still play that today. I've played it my whole life and I'm quite good at it. There's also going to be a retro-themed escape room. Jason and I talked about that on the Retro Network podcast. I'm not sure I would want to escape from a retro room. I would probably just want to settle in there and stay. There's also going to be late night karaoke if you're staying around on site there. And Retro Roulette. This one sounds interesting too. A tournament featuring board games from the past. And I'm an old board game fiend. So I think I could do well in that one myself. But anyway, it's May 16th and 17th at the Atlanta Marriott Northeast slash Emory area. And right now you can get a special nightly rate of just $99. So head over to waybackweekend.com and you'll see the links for that and get more details and make sure you stay tuned for the retro network podcast and on our podcast channel here for more news and announcements and i'll tell you jason and i are planning to attend so if you are also planning to attend send us a message and we'll try to get together and you know say hey um but right now right after this here comes tiny did you watch the x-men cartoon as a kid did you buy spider-man number one the day it came out Did you collect superhero trading cards and action figures? Then have we got the podcast for you. That's right, it's Wizards, Wizards, the the podcast podcast guide guide to to comics. The exciting show where Adam, that's me, and Michael, that's me, will take you through the 90s comic book boom through the pages of Wizard Magazine, one issue at a time. We have so much fun reliving that crazy time of chromium covers and speculative comic book buying. Plus, we get to see where this whole hubbub about superhero movies really began. So we invite you to join us every other week on the Retro Network podcast feed. We can't wait to go back in time and uh, flip through those comic books you used to read. So we'll see you then. And until next time, keep your books bagged and boarded. I've got Tiny on the line. Tiny, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you, Mick? Pretty good. People probably have heard on the podcast, I've alluded to the fact that we're good friends and uh, what I, I don't remember if I've alluded to it or not, but besides being friends, we spent several years traveling this country together. So uh, we have a lot of shared experiences, but I thought about you for this when I came across this article here, ranking the top 15 fast food cheeseburgers in America. And this list for anybody looking for it uh, is from thrillist.com. They've got a bunch of lists that we may do more of them here in the future. But anyway, they rank their top 15 cheeseburgers. And I'm looking over the list, and I would say it is safe to say that you and I have eat a lot of cheese fast food cheeseburgers. Would you agree with that? Oh, without a doubt. We've ate a lot of uh, fast food cheeseburgers together. Yeah. And I ate a lot on my own. I'm a, uh, I love my cheeseburgers. 
Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I think we've eaten so many. It's, I would feel very confident in saying we are as qualified or more qualified than most people to make a list like this. <laughs> because yeah, we, we spent, we spent several years traveling all around the country and eating at a lot of these places. Well, the way we were traveling and, and working, that was a good option was to eat fast food. It was quick. It was easy. It was inexpensive. Plus, it usually just tasted pretty damn good. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> now, on this list here, you and I, we've not really talked about our choices, but we both have talked about, there's a few on here we hadn't had. So I'm going to run through the Thrillist list, and when we hit some that we've not had, we'll let you know. And I've kind of penciled in my own top 10 list, which leaves out all the ones that I hadn't tried. But there's some on here that I, I've actually heard about, though. So, but according to their list, number 15, uh, would be the checkers slash rallies cheese champ burger. Uh, before we started recording, I asked you, you said you'd never ate checkers or rallies. And I told you where you could find some at relatively local to where we are. This is ranked 15th and it says the build of it is a gray cafeteria like patty, American cheese, red onion, shredded lettuce, tomato pickles, ketchup, mustard, and mayo on a toasted bun. I have had the rallies and checkers cheeseburgers. It's an okay burger. I, I don't know that I would put it all the way down at 15, but it's probably not uh, high up on my list either, though. But so it's maybe on. not anything I'd want to travel two hours to just to try that. It's not spectacular. No. But if you're traveling anyway and you go buy one, then it's well worth a stop, especially for the French fries. Their French fries are the best thing they have there anyway. And what matter kind of fact, they're a, a straight cut French fry, uh, almost like a country style French fry. You got a little bit of the skin on the ends, but they have their own unique uh, blend of seasoning salt that they put on them. They're really good. Matter of fact, they sell them at some of our local grocery stores in the frozen food section. So mm. I can try them that way. They're still not as good if you get them hot, fresh, and fried right there to rallies or checkers. Oh, yeah. None of that stuff that you buy frozen ever is. No. Well, moving on down the list, I'm not going to go through the details of these burgers. I'm just going to run down their list, and then we'll give our thoughts on what our favorites are. So at number 14, they got the Dairy Queen Grill and Chill Half Pound Grill Burger with Cheese. 13, A and W, the double. Uh, number 12, which is, this is criminally lowly rated. Burger King's Whopper, all the way down at number 12. I agree completely. When I read, when I saw that was number 12, uh, I kind of discounted this list altogether at that point. <laughs> because <laughs> with some of the stuff they got in front of it, there's no way someone who really knows what they're talking about than this. Number 11, the White Castle Cheese Slider. Number 10, Dale Tacos, Dale Double Cheeseburger. I've never had a Dale Taco, have you? I have not. I have not actually heard of Dale Taco. Well, I've heard of them. They're a pretty popular name, but I was surprised to see them on the list with a cheeseburger because they're, I'm not going to say they're a Taco Bell type place because from what I understand, they, they would be like a very high grade version of Taco Bell. So maybe they have burgers and everything else. Number nine, the Sonic Supersonic Double Cheeseburger. Uh, number eight is another one I'm pretty sure you're not familiar with either, Jollibee. Uh, I'm not. 
the big yum. And I was surprised to see this is a Filipino chain, Jolly Bee, but it's expanding in the United States on the West Coast right now. But they have uh, fried chicken, hot dogs, and something they that they're kind of famous for. When I seen them here, I've done a little research. They do a banana ketchup, which really intrigued me. And one of their more popular items on their menu is banana ketchup laced spaghetti. Kind of a weird place. Yeah, I'm not really sure about that one. (laughs) Well, if that don't tickle your fancy, they have something called tuna hand pies. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Well, number seven, Jack in the Box is Jumbo Jack. Uh, You have... I can't remember if you've been with me at Jack in the Box or not. I think we stopped at one. I've ate at three or four, though. Oh, okay. So you're familiar with Jack in the Box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carl's Jr., or in our neck of the woods, Hardy's, original third-pound, $6 thick burger. Uh, number five, Wendy's Dave's Double, which is a favorite of James E. Cornette. Uh, number four, Whataburger, double meat Whataburger. Number three, McDonald's Quarter Pounder with Cheese. Five years ago, I would have said they were crazy. But since they started that fresh, not frozen meat thing for their Quarter Pounders, that's become a pretty damn good hamburger. Yeah, it's become a lot better. Not, I'm all about waiting, you know, 30 seconds or minute, whatever it takes just to, to get the burger because it has improved that much. You know, one of the things I do when you're at a fast food line like that and you go up to get your food and they want you to pull forward and wait on it, I always just tell them no. And the look of shock you get on people's faces working in those windows. And, uh, well, I'll tell you one story. I stopped, uh, at Burger King and I, whatever I ordered, they were maybe waiting on fries or whatever. And they said, we, uh, we're going to have you uh, pull right up here and wait. And I'm like, no, I'll just sit right here. And, and this young girl was like, uh, what? <laughs> I said, I'll sit right here. And she said, uh, let me get my manager. <laughs> she, kids these days don't know how to make their own decisions or anything. It's they're a product of the system. I get that. So the manager comes to the window says, sir, we need you to pull on up and wait. And I said, no, I'll just sit right here. And he said, sir, we've got a lot of people waiting behind you. I said, well, then you best hurry up and get busy. Get me mine. <laughs> Uh, making me pull up and wait because all that is is you've seen it and you've worked fast food but i think this was a trend after you were out of it they've got those clocks in there and they're rated on their their time mm-hmm. i'm not going to make you look good because it's a lie my food's not ready you're clearing the clock but you've not you know supplied the food anyway folks listening i don't get to rant a whole lot on the retro network podcast this will be a forum where i'll probably go on some pretty good rants from time to time but number one on their list was culver's double butter burger with cheese Mm. and i find that kind of hard to argue with yeah i'm not sure that's number one on my list but man it's a great burger anytime you take butter and fry something in it it can, uh, the floor of how good it can be instantly goes up. It, it can only be so bad when it's fried in butter. So, so have you, uh, penciled in a little list? I have, I have, we'll, we'll go in reverse order. We'll start from 10 and count down to number one of our favorite fast food 
cheeseburgers in America. And I'll let you go first. What's number 10 on your list? Well, number 10 on mine, and some of these made the, their top 15. Some of them didn't. Um, number 10 was Jack in the Box, the Jumbo Jack. Uh. It's not as big as, you know, you think Jumbo Jack is going to be really big. So it wasn't huge or anything. Uh, the bun is what really does it. They got that split top bun. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, it just, it's different. I really liked it. It was a little messy, but that's the way burgers should be. Yeah. The messier, the better. I always thought the Jumbo Jack was their version of the Whopper. Mm-hmm. And in saying that, it'll never be ahead of the Whopper for me because you know, the Whopper is the standard bearer on a lot of that stuff. But like you, I've got maybe two on here that's not anywhere on their list, and my number 10 is one of those. It's Hardy's regular double cheeseburger, their cheaper mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty damn good hamburger. I think they're like a buck 49 or something like that, and it's just basic ketchup, mustard, onions, pickles, cheese, but it's pretty daggone good combo. Especially, like you said, for the money, and people who may not have picked this up over time, you can be a very thrifty person. <laughs> well, people <laughs> on the network probably haven't heard those stories, but you're right. I am a thrifty, thrifty person. But you know, when you can get four of those things for six bucks, that's a winner in my book. Very true. Very true. Um, what's number nine for you? Number nine, the company was on the list, but the burger was not. And that's the A&W Papa Burger. Ooh. It's a double cheeseburger, and it's got like a Big Mac sauce on it. I didn't know that. Of course, you know, we don't have where we're at. We don't have A&Ws close by. Man, I've not eaten at an A&W. And usually when I think A&W, I'm always just thinking of the, the on-tap root beer anyway. I could care less about what they have to eat. I just want some of that root beer. The last one I ate at was in uh, right outside of Pikeville, Kentucky. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. You know, yeah, McDonald's, I used to go to McDonald's when they first introduced that double cheeseburger for a buck. And for like a quarter, they would add Big Mac sauce to it. Oh, that was good. <laughs> well, next on my list is Dairy Queen's Grill and Chill Burger they've got on here. For a long time, I thought that was one of the fresher tasting hamburgers you could find anywhere. It tasted pretty close to what you'd make at home. So, uh, and it was good size, had good heft to it. So I was a big fan of it. Well, now I can honestly say that did not make my list. Uh, that was probably one of my least favorite on their top 15 list list. I've just never been a fan of, of their burgers. Well, a lot of people say that. I, I don't know if maybe my tastes are that different or maybe, and I know Dairy Queen has kind of the reputation of it can be hit or miss. Maybe I've just always got lucky and it's been a hit when I've been through there. What you got next? Uh, let's see. My number eight is White Castle. Hey, that's my number eight, too. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not the greatest burger in the world. I don't know. They're just where everything's soft and it just kind of melts. Yeah, that's the thing. It It probably shouldn't even be in a top 15. But it is. It's just, I like the fact that you can pound like a dozen of them. That's, they're so good. <laughs> exactly. Well, then what have you got for number seven then? Let's see. Number seven, I went with the uh, quarter pounder with cheese. Ooh, I've got that just a little higher on my list. But yeah, like I said, five years ago, it wouldn't have been on my list at all. It was just dry and 
it was living on its name more than what it was at that point. But now, man, when you bite into one of those things now and that juice slash grease will run down your wrist and arm. Oh, that's how, you know, it's, it's actual meat. It's, it's fresher than it used to be. My memories of it being younger. That's kind of what I graduated to. I went from the happy meal to the quarter pounder with cheese. Hmm. So me thinking as a, getting older and becoming an adult was, Hey, I can now eat the quarter pounder with cheese. Well, I graduated to the Big Mac because that's what mom ate. And it was usually her and I going to McDonald's. So it's pretty cool. It's an interesting, yeah. similar story there. Uh, next on my list was the Jack in the box jumbo jacket. We've already talked about, uh, what have you got after that? Uh, number six. And I know it was a little higher on their list and, and it may be on yours as well. Was the Culver's Double Butter Burger with mm-hmm. cheese. I really like it. I like the bun. Uh, they use the red onions instead of regular onions. I really appreciate that. Yeah. It's something a little different. Like you said, once you cook something in butter, gosh, how can it get much better? I remember watching them when we were in the Culver's and looking back there where they were frying them up and they're throwing these big pats of butter on the grill and then mm-hmm. throwing that burger down on it and mashing it down. But, you know, this is not a, a whole fast food list. It's just cheeseburgers. But, man, they've got a dynamite, or at least they did last time I was there, that pot roast sandwich they do. Whoo, thing's good. But yeah, their food is good in general. I mean, next up on my list, I wonder if you thought of this, and it's it's kind of a Midwest thing, but Brahms fast food restaurants, they're cheeseburgers. I and did what, not think of them. And I think you know this, but what makes Brahms so good is – they own their entire manufacturing process. They own their farms where they produce their lettuce and tomatoes. They raise their own cattle that they slaughter for their beef. And they have their own bakeries where they bake their bread, their own creameries where they make their own ice cream and stuff. So they control the process and it's family owned and operated. And that may be just what really helps influence my decision. But the few times we've ate at Brahms, I I just loved it. It was always good. Yeah, I've ate there a few times and it's, it's always been really good. Honestly, I guess where it's not here local, it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, I actually had to revise my list after I was driving home last night. It crossed my mind, and I redone the list just to put it on there. Yeah, they would have made my top ten for sure. What else you got? Uh, let's see. Where are we at? Five? Mm-hmm. Number five, and it was on this other list as well, is the Whopper. Mm. It's an Classic sandwich. I love Burger King. I just love the taste of their food. And surprisingly, it's that low for me. It's probably my second favorite Burger King item behind the French fry burger. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up when we were done. Remind me when we get through the list to talk to you about something with that. Uh number five for me is quarter pounder that we've already talked about. Uh so what have you got at number four? Number four, I've got the steak and shake Royale steak burger. Damn, I forgot Steak and Shake. <laughs> now, the Royale's the one that's got the fried egg on it, isn't it? It is. It's a double patty with bacon, cheese, and fried egg. Shoot, I missed that one. <laughs> uh, it's things to eat when I go there. And now they've got one fairly close. I, I eat there, uh, you know, every few weeks. Not very often, but every few weeks. You know, even though that one's close, I've never ate there since it came in. Really? Yeah, I just I hadn't. When I'm with the family... Uh, Zaxby's is right there next to it. And that they, they love Zaxby's, which Zaxby's is good. But at some point I just, I want to go 
have a steak and shake burger. I love the Zaxby's Kicking Chicken. That's I love their sandwich. Uh, my number four is the Big Mac. To me, it's iconic and it's nostalgic for what I said earlier about mom and I. I remember our local McDonald's there uh, off exit 19. The the way the restaurant used to be laid out, back towards where you would go out to the playground, there was a raised bar section with the, the stool seats, and that's where we would sit and eat on Saturdays and watch everybody coming and going in the store. And like you talked about graduating from the Happy Meal, I graduated from the Happy Meal to the Big Mac. Uh, it was a little big for me at the time, but I quickly overcome that. Uh, <laughs> and the combination of the Big Mac sauce is just hard to beat. So what have you got at number three? Three. Number three is questionable whether it's fast food. Um, some places say yes, some place, places say no. And that's Five Guys. Uh, I would call it fast food. They're bacon cheeseburger because of the toppings you can get. You can get mushrooms, onions. I mean, they say that there's 250,000 different ways to make a burger there. Mm. And then you get that bag of fries, fries where they just dump the fries in the bag and basically fill up the bag with french fries. Now, that's a cool concept, but I'm not an overly big fan of their fries, though. I think they cut them just a little too thick for my taste and don't fry them quite long enough. But, they are a little thick, but usually I like the, the fry on them. I, I, I like the fact that they're fried and not double fried. It reminds me of something my mom would cook. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I forgot about Five Guys. I like their burgers. They're pretty good. Uh, and the fact they get really messy because they wrap them in that tin foil and you peel it off and there's juice running everywhere through those cracks and crevices on the tin foil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gives you something to lick off your arm when you're done, which I always appreciate. <laughs> yeah, if I could reach my elbow, I'd, I'd be doing that too. <laughs> <laughs> Number three on my list is Wendy's Dave's Double, which was pretty high on their list. That is still a freaking awesome hamburger. It's It's mammoth. It's meaty. You know, you know you're holding a big ass hamburger when you're holding the Dave's double. The only problem is they they don't age well. And what I mean by that is, if you get it, you kind of need to eat it. If you drive 15 minutes to get home and eat it, it's just nowhere near as good. Yeah, and it's one of the few burger joints that I know of that have these square patties. Mm-hmm. You know why? They have square patties. Patties are are square and they're perfectly lined up. I don't know how they do it. They're never cattywampus or anything. They're always perfectly in sync with each other. For you folks that don't know, cattywampus (laughs) means all out of sorts. That's a Southern term, which you'll probably hear way more of on this show. Do you know why Wendy's burgers are square? I do not. Because they refuse to cut corners. (laughs) That's a true story. Uh, no, actually, it's something about the way the meat fries up or something. There's on YouTube, there's some uh, Wendy's training videos from the late 80s, early 90s that somebody uploaded that they used for new employees. And they talk about the square patties and how they fry them. And it's a fun way to spend five minutes, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what have you got second? Second, I figure somewhere on your list. If it's not number two, it's probably number one for you based on what you said in your other podcast is the Frisco burger. Well, you know, I left Frisco burger off for, uh, I figured that the, we were talking cheeseburgers with a traditional bun. And since that was grilled sourdough, I, 
I kind of eliminated it from my pool. It's fine that you got it on yours. I just eliminated it from my uh, thinking. If this was a list of favorite fast top 10 fast food items, period, it would make my top 10 out of all items from all places, though. I consider it still a burger because it is a meat. It's patty. It's meat patty. It's the bread. It's the toppings. That sourdough bread is just one of the best things out there. And I just love the Frisco burger. Well, all that's true. Maybe I should have put it on my list, but I didn't. Yeah, I'm a big Frisco burger fan. But to me, that can be a make or break thing, depending on the, the level of doneness of the bacon they put on it. If that bacon is really chewy and kind of undercooked, it ruins the burger for me. I have to take the bacon off. But when and it's white, that bacon is good. Burger. Well, number two on my list is the Culver's Double Butter Burger with Cheese. Mm-hmm. we already talked about so i'm interested to hear what you got at the top of your list so my number one is the baconator oh hmm. it's simple it's two patties it's six pieces of bacon it's the cheese and mayonnaise and ketchup it's just simple it's meat i love it <laughs> and i am not surprised six slices of bacon on anything makes you a fan of it so indeed uh Real quick, have you had their breakfast Baconator yet? I have. What do you think? It was okay. Hmm. I didn't like the egg. I took the egg off and it was a much better. And the sausage was really soft and spongy. I like a little bit of crispness on the edge of the sausage. Kind of like McDonald's, you know. They're flavored in the best, but I like the way that they cook their patties. I've not tried it yet, but I have seen it's got a lot of good reviews so far. The breakfast Baconator has. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one on my list is the Whopper from Burger King. It's probably, when you take all factors combined, it's my favorite fast food place. And one of the main factors is availability. It's here where I live. It's everywhere I've ever been. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and the Whopper, just the big burger, the patty, you know. The full compliment and all the variations of the Whopper. I'm a big fan of the Western Whopper with the barbecue sauce and bacon and onion rings on it. So, oh yeah. Uh, well, anyway, what I was going to, I wanted you to remind me about. Have you seen? Uh, you mentioned the French fry burger at Burger King. We used to get those when we traveled, and they had those around. Have you seen their new French fry burger? No, Maybe I have not. There was no burger on it. It's just a pile of French fries with the lettuce and mayonnaise and all that stuff on it. Mm. I don't know what the price point is, but it's kind of causing a stir overseas. And I don't know why, but people in Europe are like, hey, Burger King, we've already had this for years. It's called a chip buddy. And I'm thinking, okay, so Burger King can't make one? What What's the deal here? Uh, but it looks, you know, without the meat, it wouldn't be as good. But dang, it looks good because they've got a huge pile of French fries, like kind of crisscrossed on, you know. I wish they had went that way instead of the whole impossible burger thing. If you want to go meatless, hell, just leave the meat off of it. Quit calling yeah, this other stuff meat. It's not meat, people. Yeah, just go with the fries. Their fries are, are pretty good standing alone. I love the crinkle cut fries that they do have. They still, do they still have those? The crinkle cut? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, every time I go, it's the straight cut. I know they used to call those, what, satisfies fries or something, the crinkle cut oh, that's ones? Right. That's when they did have those. I love those. Yeah, I didn't know if they still had those or not, but they were pretty good. Yeah. Well, you know, we traveled on the road, and I'd get the French fry burgers, 
And mm-hmm. occasionally I'd order sometimes, you know, five of them and they'd kind of look at me strange. Yeah. And pick the I remember one time in particular. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that mm. was one of my favorite foods. And in, in full disclosure, I got the five and I didn't need them all in one setting. Right. I could. Yeah, he got up and smoked a cigarette and came back and finished him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, this was a fun little list. And I was telling Tiny before we started recording, the Thrillist, they have several of these fast food lists that we'll probably do more of. But uh, when you're done listening to this, uh, share your opinion with us. Uh, You can find me at yesterdayville on twitter or facebook.com slash retro ramblings and tiny tell everybody where they can find you at online well i hide for the most part but i do have a youtube channel uh mountain way adventures mtn for mountain kind of like mountain dew mm-hmm. and i do a little bit of uh outdoor stuff on there yeah if you want to hear more of this sexy southern voice he's got and, and see some hunting and fishing and mountainy type ways go over and check out his youtube channel it's not just well i mean it is all that but uh tiny's personality even if you're not into hunting and fishing you'll enjoy the videos just he injects his own personal inflection into them and they're always fun but man i appreciate you coming on for this first episode of retro ramblings and i'm yeah, sure we'll have you back in the future i appreciate much all right folks uh that'll do it for tiny Uh, Right after this, we're going to have Adam coming up for the six-pack. Stay tuned. Hey, everybody. It is Jason. If you haven't heard our new Grocery Stories podcast series on Patreon, here's what you're missing. I'm going to tell my favorite grocery store story ever to start this whole thing off. Damaged food was like a first dibs, you know, and sometimes stuff would get quote-unquote damaged when it came in to the (laughs) The frozen food guy was notorious for this. He would about once a month go through where everybody put their their food they'd bring and put in the cooler, and he'd go through the old stuff and get rid of it because, you know, you may bring something to work, something hits your taste bud, and you end up going to McDonald's, and you forget that you brought lunch, and it just sits there. So he'd have to throw it away. So he was cleaning the cooler out one day. He was telling me about it. I was checking with him. Where are you into this evening? So I'm cleaning out all these old lunches and stuff. And I, I knew that when he would find like a bag of chips or something left in somebody's lunch, hell, he'd eat them because there's nothing wrong with them. They're wrapped up. There's a, a couple of new things. Which one do you want to try? I'm like, I, you know, you don't have to. He's like, no. And he'd throw the box on the ground, stomp on a corner and say, sorry, it's damaged, man. It's damaged. So all they need back is the box. So what do you want to try, man? The day Daniel ate Kessner's lunch is a old favorite story of everybody's <laughs> who used to work there. That is a snippet from our first Grocery Stories mini episode on Patreon. You can head over there now, patreon.com slash the retro network, and listen to that first full episode for free. If you will support us starting at the $2 level, you'll get to hear future episodes and also our outtakes and stories episodes. So do that this week. We would certainly appreciate your support. Well, folks, it's that time of the show when uh, I invite a friend in to uh, have a share a six-pack with me, but it's not quite what you're thinking. As I told you earlier in the show, the six-pack of questions. 
But before we pop the top on these six questions, let me introduce our first guest on the first episode of Retro Ramblings. Uh, to the extreme, he rocks a mic like a vandal. He lights up the stage and waxes chumps like candles. One of the hosts of my favorite shows, the Wizards Podcast Guide to Comics here on the Retro Network, Adam. Adam, how are you? Word to your mother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I doing thought, good. I thought you might like that intro. Uh, so, the six-pack. <clears throat> you kind of know the general theme, but you don't know the questions beforehand. I already alerted Adam to the general theme, but since he hosts a 90s comics-related podcast, and I love talking 90s comics and haven't had anybody to talk to them, talk about to them in a long time, I thought this would be perfect. So, man, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's roll. Ready. All right. <clears throat> well, you know, a big part of the 90s in comic books were big events, big crossovers, universe-changing storylines and stuff. A few of Marvel's big events included stuff like Daredevil's Fall from Grace, the Spider-Man Maximum Carnage and Clone Saga. X-Men had its share with Executioner Song, Fatal Attractions, Age of Apocalypse, and Onslaught. And then some other universe-spanning stuff like Operation Galactic Storm and Atlantis Rising and Infinity Gauntlet. So my first question to you is, what was your favorite big Marvel event of the 90s? All right. Well, you know, there, like you said, there were quite a bit and uh, a lot of them got overblown and it was a little out of control sometimes. Um, but the one for me uh, that sticks out as in, I, I guess when I qualify what was my favorite, the reason it has to be my favorite is there has to be some outcome after the fact i hate big events like infinity gauntlet or something else where it's kind of like eh, then everything goes back to the status quo you know so I, right. I love when it actually changes things and so for me the spider clone saga actually was very satisfying and uh mainly because peter parker retires and ben riley took over as the new spider-man mm -hmm. and so that was and, very exciting to me and i jumped on and i started actually buying spider-man books again which i hadn't for a very long time and in the process he created this whole hoodie trend that even my kids today still keep up with <laughs> It all goes back to the Scarlet Spider, of course. My oldest daughter won't be caught dead outside of a hoodie, so I, I kind of blame Ben Riley for that. You know, a lot of people pan the Clone Saga, but I read along with it. I didn't read the whole thing, but it wasn't. I never found it offensive. Yeah, you think it was saying. the fact I, that I, it's? I think it's more that. It was the wrap-up that people found offensive. Like, I think the beginning was a cool concept, that there was the mystery of who's the real Peter Parker, then you get mm -hmm. a new Spider-Man, which is exciting, and then when they had to come back and say, okay, well, well this wasn't going to last forever, and now we have maximum clonage happening, and it gets convoluted, they start bringing in all these different kind of mysterious villains dropping clues, and then, you know, I, I, I just think it, they dragged it on a little too long and that's what people are bitter about uh but i think ultimately the story itself the concept and all of it was solid it was just not executed well at the end and the writers probably aren't totally to blame for that because with speculators market in the 90s i'm sure the editors and publishers were like uh, uh no we can't have a 10 issue crossover we need a 30 issue crossover <laughs> yeah. and you have to 
come up with more twists and turns that end up not making sense. But the one I never have got to read was Operation Galactic Storm. Because, mm. you know, we just come out of the war and, you know, here are our heroes going to a foreign land, so to speak. <laughs> I've got quotation marks in the air to, to fight a war. And uh, I need to track that one down and read it sometime. Speaking of which, have you already yeah. opened up a pack of the uh, the Operation Desert Storm trading cards for Wax Pack Flashback yet? <clears throat> No, I was telling Jason today that uh, I will be filming that pack this weekend. I filmed two or three packs at a time. Okay. So it's in the next round. It'll be coming up here within a few there was, weeks. There was no war more merchandised, I feel like. <laughs> at least well, not at the time actually, it was going on. <laughs> I don't have any Desert Strike cards. I've got Desert Shield cards, the original set that come out when we were just still stationed, you know, in Saudi Arabia waiting on a war to happen. So... Colin Those Powell rookie rare. card. Schwarzkopf <laughs> hologram. Oh, they, Norman. <laughs> well, besides Marvel, DC had some big events too. And uh, you could argue they really kicked off the boom. I know Infinity Gauntlet came first, but DC had the Death of Superman and Nightfall were their big ones. And to a lesser extent, Emerald Twilight. Uh, which did you prefer, Death of Superman or Nightfall? From beginning to end story you know whole story i mean i was all in on the uh death of superman funeral for a friend world without a superman then yep. the reign of the superman like just all of it like i bought bought, bought 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 so definitely even though again i wasn't reading a lot of superman comics prior to that like i would pick up back issues that i thought had cool covers but the story itself again i'm always the guy looking for the new incarnation that's kind of like an alternate reality now it's like okay well now we have four new supermen so what Uh are they going to do in the role and that's very exciting to me versus you know 40 50 60 years of continuity and you're kind of like ah okay but this is like okay now i'm in on the ground floor am i you know what's steel gonna do what's superboy gonna do so yeah it was exciting well, I had a my best friend at the time. We were both into comics, and we were all in on both of these storylines. To me, it's like picking one of my children because <laughs> these are still my two favorite storylines ever in comic books. But I remember when the four new Superman debuted, we were naive enough to believe that they were really going to change the status quo and that one of these four was going to be the new Superman. And my money was on the cyborg. And my logic back then was the trend of comics had already started towards the guys with the big guns and the cybernetics and stuff. And I thought this is just modernizing Superman. Now he's got cybernetic parts to him and stuff. Boy, was I wrong. He turned out to be the main villain of the whole thing. (laughs) I know. Yeah, he's old switcheroo. But also, I think there was a lasting effect also of the death of Superman, you know, for a couple years after the fact. And that was Superman's mullet. And he kept mm-hmm. it, man. He didn't get rid of that thing. Clark Kent had a ponytail. I mean, if if the glasses weren't doing it for all those years, the fact that Superman <laughs> came back with long hair and Clark Kent had a ponytail now. Connect the dots, you guys. Come on. Journalists, what are you doing? And it did have some other lasting effects. It wasn't like everything went away. Superboy got his own title and then was in other titles and mm-hmm. still got his own title. So movie, there was some stuff that came out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, with Shaq. Yeah. I forgot about that. Man, I smell a drive-in coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so number three question out of six. 
Because Marvel and DC weren't the only games in town in the 90s. Valiant and Image both became a force of their own for much of the decade and really fueled the habit for a lot of people. So were you more of a Valiant guy or an Image guy? Oh, definitely Valiant. I avoided Image almost completely. The only book I ever bought was Gen 13. And otherwise, like, I was not on the image train at the beginning they just they didn't appeal to me the i i I have this problem (laughs) which is when there's too much hype and it's too popular and i see these people who weren't on the train of whatever the trend was before and now all of a sudden here's the huge deal i'm sure a lot of sports fans feel this way when their team is winning hey look Uh at all these people that showed up all of a sudden so like (laughs) when all of a sudden everybody at school is collecting image comics i was like yeah that's not for me and there was less talk about valiant and yet the stories were really cool and they were i feel successfully creating a comic book universe that was intertwined versus Mm -hmm. image that said they were doing it and they were having their characters you know guest star in each other's books but it never felt cohesive and it felt more natural the way jim shooter did it at valiant so i was always on board with valiant yeah, I think you said it right. There's a difference, and I don't think Image ever learned it, in creating a shared universe and creating crossovers. And they were creating crossovers. Mm-hmm. And they just uh, thought I was they wanted to be Marvel, and they just weren't Marvel. You know, it just you know, yeah. no matter the fact that they all came from Marvel and they were just kind of imitating the Marvel lineup of characters in their books, it just it didn't ever uh, gel for me. And I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum from most folks in comic books. I am a story guy. I really could care less about the art. Now, when the art is really bad, I notice it. And when it's really great, I notice it. Everything in between, it just kind of fades into the background of the story to me. So Valiant was definitely my cup of tea versus Image in those days. Yeah, they these had some really classic artists over there who had chops. People like Barry Windsor Smith or Bob Layton, Bart Sears eventually. And yeah, I, I just feel like they had people that were good with anatomy and mm-hmm. knew how to place characters in a panel and made it all work as opposed to, you know, breaking the rules and ah, we're rebels of comics, you know. Well, you know, they fell right into my wheelhouse. They were I I wanted to say competent. They were more than competent, but there was nothing flashy. But you were also never going to see anything that was an eyesore. So you could concentrate on the story, which I liked. Number four. We talked about trends there a second ago. One of the trends that came along towards the mid-90s that Wizard itself really pushed hard was the bad girl craze. With all the titles like Lady Death, Dawn, Vampirella, Witchblade, She, Barbed Wire, Angela... Lady Rawhide and too many more to name. Did any of the bad girls, quote unquote, rise above the rest for you? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I never really jumped on the bad girl train. I will say that the one that interested me the most was Lady Rawhide from Top Amen. Comics. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Because I read Zorro anyway. Yeah. So. 
And so I always thought she was an interesting character because she wasn't like this weird demon. She wasn't whatever. She was just like this, you know, vigilante who was, uh, you know, doing what she was doing. And yes, there was a lot of cheesecake art. I have a wizard half comic of Lady Rawhide. And you're kind of like, okay, well, they're telling a lot of story in boxes around this, but the, the art itself is kind of very suggestive and very on point for what they were trying to accomplish. <laughs> and you're like, wow, this is some deep themes, but I cannot buy into it based on the images you're presenting. Uh, yeah. We know Lady Rawhide was created to take advantage of the bad girl trend, but because I was reading the top Zorro comics anyway, I, I didn't get involved with Lady Rawhide because of the bad girl thing. It was just a natural progression to what I was already reading. So I don't feel like I jumped into the craze. I just kind of had a, a small taste of it, you could yeah. say. Uh, well, all this stuff we've talked about. So you've got somebody either new to comics or a young comic reader in front of you. What's a series or even just a run from a series from the 90s that you would suggest somebody go seek out who's into comic books for the first time? Hmm. You know, when I talk about the idea of, you know, starting over or we talked about shared universe or creating a world, I think that Marvel was very successful with that when they created and launched their 2099 universe. I had a feeling this was going to be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't get enough. And honestly, it just, it, it's again, something where they kind of picked a central evil corporation that existed. There was Alchemax and, and this, this, you know, company that kind of all the bad guys seemed to work for, and they influenced uh, all the goings on in the universes between Spider-Man 2099 and Doom 2099, and uh, even, you know, Ravage 2099 to a lesser extent. Uh, <laughs> fewer people cared about that, and Punisher 2099 was kind of its own thing, generally speaking. But you would hear references to all these things in the world and each comic knew what was going on in the others on some level without having a guest star necessarily. And so I feel like mm -hmm. it was, it was decent storytelling. It wasn't just revamping their old characters aside from again, Punisher 2099. I don't recommend that. Because that was basically just like, let's do the Punisher of the future, same origins, same everything. Um, yeah. But but it was just a, like I said, solid art and then a solid thing where you could say, oh, okay, well, I'm reading this now and I'm reading this now, but it feels cohesive and it's exciting and fresh ideas. They created their own swear words, you know, <laughs> like you know, they, like they, there was a futuristic lingo that wasn't, you know, too uh, alienating, but you were like, it would be like, what the shock? You know, like, so shock was their new cuss word of the, <laughs> the 2099 era. What was uh, uh, Mort's word he had on Mort Kameni? Uh, nips. He said nips a lot, didn't nope. he? Did he? I think so. Why I thought it was Shazbot, but what do I know? <laughs> well, the one I would recommend to folks, and it's a little more expansive, and you and I talked about this around Christmas, and that's Marvel's, or Marvel's, Malibu's Ultraverse line. Mm. That shared universe they created and all a lot of what you're saying about 2099 is true with ultraverse is there were some some crossovers and guest appearances in books but you you knew what was going on in the entire universe from the way they created it 
without being beat over the head with it, with just continual month after month crossovers and things going on. So I actually found a really nice chronological reading order for all of Ultraverse, and I printed it out, and I've been ordering. I think I'm up to about the first 80 issues of the whole Ultraverse wow. line, and yeah. I need to order some more. I'm going to end up reading the entire thing before it's all said and done. So. Yeah, well, I know initially we had planned to have you on Wizards as our first guest, and illness got in the way of that. So I feel like this is perfect then. By the time the Malibu Ultraverse launches in our chronology of Wizard, then we can have you on, and you'll be the expert at that point. I know that I'm an expert, but I love to talk about it anyway, so I would be more than happy to do that. And speaking of Wizard itself, and this is question number six, one of my favorite things, for whatever reason, every month in Wizard, well, in maybe not in the very beginning, but through most of the run, usually on the back page, they'd have an interview with a artist or a writer or somebody involved in the comic book business. And it was hokey questions. But I'm going to ask you, and my favorite question they used to ask those people, <laughs> what is Adam's favorite munchie at 2 a.m.? Oh, wow. Okay, this is a weird one. Uh, it is actually tortillas with cream cheese inside i i got that as a sample at costco before it was costco back in the day you know price club i think was the name of the store that my family used to shop at and they would always give out samples just like costco does and they were trying to get people to buy philadelphia cream cheese and they were putting it in tortillas you know and cutting them up and giving you a sample and the minute i tasted cream cheese in a tortilla i was hooked and so when it's late <laughs> night i'm up with a baby whatever it is and i've, I've got the munchies I, that's what i reach for my favorite answer to that question, and you all just done some talk about Mr. Peter David on this week's episode, was Peter David's answer to that question. His answer was, my wife. Oh, <laughs> that romantic oh. fella. It still sticks in my brain all these years later reading <laughs> that answer. So, and just to follow up on your conversation because when i listen to wizards i'm i'm wanting to like yell to my phone my answer or, or my opinion on what you're talking about you had asked michael uh, his experiences with peter david in the 90s the title that really jumped out to me from peter david was when he took over aquaman and the time and tide again series or the time and tide series where he lost his hand and everything that was excellent stuff from peter david yeah that harpoon hand hard to forget yeah <laughs> Well, Adam, I think we have finished all six of these sixers in this six pack today. So I greatly appreciate you coming on to the first episode of Retro Ramblings. And I know uh, when you listen to this first episode, you'll hear me talk to multiple people and for different subjects. I'm sure I'll be reaching out to you many, many more times in the future. I look forward to it. And I look forward to getting on uh, Wizards one day because, man, that when you announced that podcast, my heart just leapt because I I still, still today, pull out my old Wizards and just flip through them when I've got nothing else going on. They are such a resource for just nostalgia, well, for me for nostalgia because there's nobody, like I said, that I get to talk 90s comics with. And then here you come filling that void. So I'm thankful that you're doing that show, and I'm even more thankful you're doing it on the Retro Network. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I feel the same way. Every time I crack open the next issue in preparation for a show, 
it is just euphoria for me. I can't get enough. And I'm finding, as we're getting a lot of response on social media, a lot of people are lapsed comic book fans, right? They did collect in the 90s. They haven't touched a book in years. And now they're getting excited again because they're hearing about the Wizards podcast. Oh, yeah, I used to read Wizard, blah, blah, blah. So I, I love that we can be a part of that process for some people. Well, currently, Wizards, the podcast guide to comics, drops every other Wednesday. And they're usually, what, around an hour and a half, two hours each with mm-hmm. Adam and Michael. And we've had a guest on there and some cool giveaways. We have some more cool giveaways coming up. Um, till then, Adam, thanks a bunch. See ya. Well, it's time to answer a few Hey Mickey questions. You know, from the song. Hey Mickey. Hey Mickey, you're so fun. You've already heard it. You don't need to hear me saying. If you've got something you want to ask me or drop a comment or whatever, just drop a note on Twitter or Facebook at TRN Social with hashtag hey mickey you can also drop it uh, at yesterdayville on twitter and i'll see it there too but our first hey mickey comes from jed sampson jed sampson he says hey mickey i know you like both gi joe and masters of the universe but which is your favorite well jed you didn't really specify toys comics cartoons or movies so i guess it's up to my interpretation um Masters of the Universe came first in my fandom, and then G.I. Joe came after that as I was getting out of Masters of the Universe. So I didn't really have to to decide between the two at any given time what I was going to play with from day to day or anything. But, uh, man, this is a tough question. It's like picking who's your favorite kid. Well, with my kids, it's actually easier to pick which is my favorite than trying to pick my favorite between G.I. Joe and Masters of the Universe. So I will break it down uh, when it comes to the cartoons, I never missed an episode of either. They both showed in syndication after school in the afternoons. and During their whole runs, I never missed either. Um, I think I identified more with the world of G.I. Joe because it was more real-world based. But I love the, the fantasy elements of Masters of the Universe, so I'm going to call that a push. The toys... I. I played with G.I. Joe more, but for the reason of I was a big wrestling fan, and I used the G.I. Joe figures as substitute wrestlers. I had a ring and everything. So the actual physical toys, I played with G.I. Joe figures a lot more. But using them just for how they were designed for G.I. Joe play compared to Masters of the Universe play, you know, that that's another push right there. It, it's really hard. G.I. Joe had way more figures, uh, a lot more play sets and vehicles i don't know maybe it's not a push i think i would have to rank gi joe a little above masters of the universe in that one uh comic books it's hands down gi joe uh, just for the longevity of it and even through today they're still publishing gi joe comics the masters of the universe comics when they were published from a comic publisher were pretty good the mini comics though those were fantastic, and I've got the big hardcover bound edition of all of those, but I still won't give the nod to the G.I. Joe comic books. Um, but I'll I'll give the nod to Masters of the Universe on outside toy line products. Man, they had those stamp kits and pencil toppers and coloring books. You couldn't go anywhere and not find Masters of the Universe toys there in the early 80s, and I had so much of the tie-in merchandise. It was actually a little nerve-wracking for my mom. But, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't really know how to rank one over the other. 
So hopefully that answer will satisfy you a little bit. And uh, I got another one here. Gene Staples wants to know, Hey Mickey, will you ever be opening any packs of Fright Flicks cards on the Wax Pack Flashback? For those who don't know, Fright Flicks cards were produced by Topps in the late 80s, featuring scenes from all kinds of horror movies. Some you've never heard of, but also the popular Friday the 13th and Alien and, and Predator and such. I do have those cards in... I'm sure I will be opening those. They're not in the immediate plans because that's something that would work better closer to Halloween, you know, to tie into the theme of the year. So I'm going to say, yes, I will be, but you're going to have to wait for a little bit. But I thank you, Gene, and thank you, Jed, for reaching out with Hey Mickey and uh, asking those questions. I'm waiting on the day somebody will uh, hashtag Hey Mickey and ask me something about Pizza Hut because uh, I think people like to hear me go off about that for whatever reason. I wrote that one article and it's what I get the most comments on even today is people ask me about different facets of Pizza Hut, both modern and uh, classic Pizza Hut. The glory days of Pizza Hut as I call them. If you got a question or comment for me, just head over to at TRN Social on Twitter or Facebook and drop a comment, hashtag Hey Mickey, and uh, I will be happy to answer or comment or even rant on whatever it is you're asking about and be sure that uh, you check out the other shows here on the retro network podcast channel wherever you listen to podcasts the retro network podcast itself wizards the podcast guide to comics looking back at 90s comics through the pages of wizards magazine that's my personal favorite even though it's not the one i'm on but sequel quest creating sequels for movies that never got one or needed a better one and then there's also the trn game night show situation jukebox Bracket Madness, and more. Uh, other podcasts like TRN Talk on individual subjects. And hey, you can also check me out over on YouTube at our Retro Network YouTube channel as I do the Wax Pack Flashback every week where I open an old pack of trading cards. So go check those out. There's a bunch of episodes already piled up there for your viewing pleasure. And also don't forget to head to theretronetwork.com for all of our written features. It is the central hub of everything we do at the Retro Network. You'll find links to all of our podcasts, our videos, like I said, the written features, everything on our Patreon page. Give a big shout out to everybody on Patreon. Thanks for listening if you are. And uh, yeah, so go check everything out. We appreciate you supporting the Retro Network. I appreciate you supporting me by downloading and listening to this first episode. I'm a busy guy. I can't guarantee that I can keep this on a weekly schedule. I'm hoping to do at least bi-weekly. But uh, I can always use your feedback, especially on this first episode. So Drop me a line, drop me a comment, leave a comment on the podcast app of your choice. Hell, even leave a comment over on our YouTube page if you want to of what you thought of this first episode. What you might want to see done differently, added, taken away, whatever. I will certainly listen to your opinion. Don't mean I will go with it, but I will listen to it. But thanks again for listening to all we do here at the Retro Network. We wouldn't really have anything to do if it weren't for you, the listener, and we greatly appreciate you. Y'all take care. Hey, you